This is Walter O'Keefe inviting you to listen in on the Nightline. Tonight, live the incredible life of ages yet to come in a time that might be a million years from now on X-1. Now, an incredible story of the world beyond. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking with my friend Bob. Uh, we have no Jim this week. Jim was not feeling well. Uh, but we're going to do something we haven't done in ages, and it, and it feels really good to do this. So th- we're going to cover an X-1. This episode is from, uh, I think, 75 years ago, like this week or next week, or we're close to that time frame anyway. And uh, and it's, uh, so it's from 1957, and we're currently in 2022. And uh, I I hadn't really thought about it much, but I'm pretty impressed with the fact that this series kept on surviving for a number of years, because this is when radio was dying, just dying. The shows were dropping like flies. And uh, at this point, there's very few in 1957 new radio shows. I mean, there's some, but uh, by 62, they'd all be gone. So, so this, it doesn't have many weeks left to, to run for this show, but still the fact it got to 57 is pretty impressive. Um, it's interesting, Bob and I were talking ahead of time, how the show is only like 21 minutes long and there's commercials in there and there's an introduction with really catchy little theme song on the introduction, I must say, the ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, whatever. <laughs> anyway. So we're yeah, <laughs> and, and I think I'm going to cut, I mean, I usually use the X minus one countdown for our intro, but I think I might just take that little catchy little song there just because it's so silly. But anyway, uh, but it, so, the, so the actual story content of this episode can't be more than six, 17, 18 minutes or something. So I'm amazed they even got a story told in that much time. That's hard to tell a story. Um Anyway, uh, we'll throw it over to Bob. Um, what did you think of this episode, and what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Am I doing a synopsis, or actually just feel free? Yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll spoil it for you guys, just so you know. So uh, if you're big into not getting spoiled, then I mean, we'll try not to totally give away the ending. I mean, I don't think we have to do that, but um, we'll give you the premise, and and the premise is established fairly quickly in the episode, anyway. But go ahead. Yeah. So the premise is basically. Um, soul transfer from body to a body together so the dr horn has the horn effect and now the military wants it so they can make spies basically yes so that's that's the what happens like daryl said pretty soon and quick into the episode the way they describe it though is is very strange way of describing i was like what you you have a i can turn a person into a corpse and it's like Okay, that's a pretty dark way of looking at just, uh, you know, instead if you said, oh, I can take their uh, consciousness out and put it into a different body or and I can put their conscious back into their body. That's a lot different than 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 saying, oh, I can make them into a, a living corpse. It's like, well, what the heck is that? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, th- I just think it was a way to make it. It almost made it a horror episode, which it really wasn't. But anyway. Yeah, I wonder. Like, we were. T- I think we were talking offline. This concept gets used. We we're talking about Star Trek. Uh, 
episode. The alternative factor is one episode where the guy, uh, there's like two parts of him, two different consciences, uh, whatever, fighting each other. And so one sometimes it'll be one conscience that takes over the body. Sometimes it'll be another. And so, of course, the crew dealing with that are like, he seems completely different now than he did a few minutes ago. And they never know which one's going. And it takes him a while to figure out that he's two different uh, consciousnesses in him. <laughs> so uh, we I were saying how somebody online had said it was the worst episode ever. But Bob and I both said, oh, kind of like that episode. It's not that bad. Um, and no. certainly that has been done in lots of different series. I assume Twilight Zone did it at some point. I can't think of what episode it would be. But Star Trek also did it with their very last episode, the turn turnaround intruder or something like that. Turnabout intruder. Anyway, uh, where Dr. Lester is a female doctor and Kirk switch uh, their consciences with each other. And uh, and so we get to see uh, William Shatner really overplaying being a woman. And uh, that one probably is the worst episode of Star Trek ever, but um, which is sad because it's the last episode. You know, you would hope the last episode would be a great one, but it's not. Uh, but yeah, they, certainly we've seen that in, in, like Bob's saying, in lots of science fiction series where there's always where somebody takes over somebody else's body. I mean, certainly uh, Bob and I, this, this uh, year uh, in Strange New Worlds, we had the switching of to Pring and Spock uh, yeah. consciences, and that was created, a, as they would say, hijinks. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of a fun episode. I enjoyed that episode. Um, but it just shows they're still doing that today with that concept. But um, Bob, what else you got on that? Yeah, so I, I wonder if they're going to look back at us because it's a good episode, but it's also quaint because it's 1957. Or are they going to look back at us in 75 years and will it be the same thing? We'll watch Strange New Worlds and think, well, these guys are so naive and, and quaint. Yes. I I don't know. And, and and Bob and I were talking about that ahead of time that, that uh, so many of these episodes, you listen to them and, and, and of course you go, oh, okay, this is the Changing Bodies episode sort of thing. And you think, oh, well, that's been done a million times. But you got to go back and say, in 57, how many times had it been done? And probably a bit even then, but certainly it was more fresh then than it is now. And it shows you, too, that in 75 years later, they're still using that same concept for a new series that's out. So it shows that it's an endearing or enduring, I should say, enduring piece, trope that that they can use over and over again. And it's always interesting to see how it's going to affect the character in this particular episode. They do that whole thing that you kind of expect them to do somewhat in this is when who's who and, and who's in whose body and what's going on and, and all of that piece. Um, and certainly they do exactly what you say in that situation. This is exactly the opposite I would do you certainly would try and make it where nobody kills each other because you want to make sure who's in whose body when, when they get killed or whatever. And uh, obviously uh, at the end of this, they kind of get that a little bit wrong as to who's who, um, but which makes it a more interesting story, of course. But anyway, so how, yeah, and, 
go ahead, Bob. How I was thinking about how would you sort of would you say this was a fairly entertaining episode, or would you say it was a I don't I don't know where it rates as far as other X minuses ones we've seen and heard and things. I thought this one studied together pretty good. I mean, we've had some that were really good. Yes. The series and some that were just like, okay, especially when Jim gets a hold of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I try to like make myself into the 57 mindset because yeah. I'm carrying 75 years of new stuff back to an era that I wasn't even alive in. So I thought they, I thought it did a good job. I, I guess like I said, will it, like the theme song, for instance, are, are they going to look back at us that same way and go, oh, that was kind of cute. Yeah. And the even the curse commercials are even also entertaining, too. Oh, and now that I think about it, it's 65 years old, not 75, so 65. Yeah. So yes. It's refreshing. Yes. I did like the commercials. I enjoyed all the commercials. Uh, they've the, got a public service announcement in here about schools and teachers and things and i thought that was kind of fun and then uh the paps blue ribbon thing was a great commercial you don't expect to be in a science fiction show <laughs> i that it was weird because i can't remember they were around like 75 years or something already the paps had already been it was already an old company right right no seven yeah some some of the the different beers and things had been around for hundred years by this time or more or whatever, depending. Um, the, what else was I thinking about this episode? Um, usually, because uh, Matt was the other person besides me that's listened to a lot of these episodes and have had lots of co- different conversations with Matt about the episodes. And what he says is these later episodes, they're, they'll have some poor ones and then they'll have some decent ones. Like this would, I assume would be a decent one, but they don't, there's no really great episodes. Like um, the one I always think of as a great one is gun for dinosaur. I love that episode. And there's nothing approaching that kind of level at the end. Um, I think chances are they knew it was getting to the end of the run. So I don't know how much effort they were putting in. And then too, I think a big piece of it, is those early episodes were 25, 27 minutes long because they had a lot of them had no commercials and just ran for a whole half hour, right? And they just had the intro and that's it. So maybe they were 29 minutes long, you know, 28, something like that. And then these ones be running like 10 minutes less. You're going, well, it's hard dealing with that 10. You're, you're dealing with, you've lost a third of your time. And so how are you going to make as good of a script as you could if you had an extra 10 minutes, right? And so so I think we get what we get. And I'd say this is a pretty decent episode. We shall see going forward. Um, I like to, I think we're going to try and do these weekly up until the end of the run, which is only, you know, a month or month and a half away or something. I think it's end of August. It, it It's a, we're done with its run or something, or maybe it's the month after that. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll go back and present some of the early ones we we missed or skipped or whatever. But uh, and it, and I love that we found these in such good sound quality now that it's it's that doesn't distract. I don't I don't feel any distraction now from just going. Oh, what's he saying? Or I didn't like the sound quality here. It's like you're in the room with them. It's yeah, they, 
Did someone go back and clean them up or something? Yes. This one, right? There's no, there's no crackle or or anything. Right. It's just sounding like it's like it's straight from the tape that they created it on or whatever at the time. So yeah. uh, I'm sure we're hearing it with better sound quality than most people did listening to it on the radio for sure. Probably because the radio yeah. has like everything else too, right? Exactly. Right. We're so so it. yeah. So these are probably as clear as anybody's ever heard them. And uh, it's nice. And it's nice. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they kept the commercials in because, um, you know, sometimes folks edit out the commercials and I'd rather have them in there to see what they were like. Um, the uh, For a long time, it wasn't a sponsored show, so they wouldn't have any commercials. And uh, it seems like for a decent amount of the time, they didn't even have uh, public service announcements or anything in there. So you just had straight show. Um, where was a revenue stream? Well, they, they what they called them was sustaining, and when they when they were sustaining, it just meant that they needed to fill up the audio space on the on the channels, and so mm-hmm. they would just uh, the network would cover it, the price of these things, and they and usually when they were sustaining, they didn't have all that great of a budget, you know, because they could have more of a budget when they're actually sponsored. But uh, no, they, they stuck with series sometimes for a long time, two, three, four years of sustaining. And then if they didn't, with the idea that hopefully if we put this out there, a sponsor will go, oh, I want to sponsor that show. Um, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Certainly I, the one that stands out to my mind is Suspense, which ran for like 20 years. Sometimes it would not have a sponsor for a year or two, and then it'd have a sponsor for five or seven years, and then it would lose a sponsor, but they just kept it going. And it it's the one, it started in 42, and it ran until 62 and was like one of the last two. There's that and Gunsmoke were the last two shows on. Oh, 62. Yeah, 62. Now you're slowly into television. Right, right. Well, basically, the the television came about in, uh, you know, it really came of its own when I Love Lucy came on, which was in towards the end of, um, not the end of 51, it was the end of the 50-51 season. Uh, And so it was probably, I want to say June or a little earlier, maybe May of uh, 51 that it came on television for the first time, I think. And, And it just took the roof off television and had it where 70% of the country was watching that show and wow. that, and, and sold so many televisions. It's like the, the amount of televisions that first season were so small. And then the next season they sold a whole bunch more. And, and of course the prices of television was coming down, that your reception quality was going up. And so they, they just were selling like crazy. So the nail, they knew by 53, the nail was in the coffin of radio. Um, I would have thought they could have kept both going, but really what they did was the, the companies that advertise, they were like, well, shoot, why do I want to advertise on radio when you can show my product on television? And, and I, and I get so many more people watching and all these things that just all the money ran from radio right into television. And so I'm surprised actually that it lasted until 62. You would think it would have been yeah. gone. But even like the end of the 53 season, I'd say like half the shows disappeared, 53, 54. And by 57, 
you had maybe a, a quarter of the shows available that were available, you know, three or four years earlier. And then after 57, of course, this one goes away. And and at that point of 58, 59, you're talking there's like three or four shows left. There's not much. So um, everybody went right in music. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing. That's the other thing, too, is you you both you had that radio was um, what more of a, a drama, comedies, all that sort of thing. Right. Uh, scripted shows. And then at the same time in, in, that television's catching on, you've got rock and roll music that's starting to really sell. And so then more and more stations are, are playing pop music and things and have disc jockeys and the whole thing. And that picks up and of course continues into the Beatles and all of that in the sixties and just takes off and it becomes where radio never really looks back. It just becomes this um, place for news and a place for um, music. And uh, yeah. And even now that even now that even that's not there really, you got everybody streaming, right? Right. So technology just, just keeps displacing. Yeah. But what's funny is with the streaming technology, then really, uh, I guess you could look at it and say old time radio is as prevalent as it's ever been. Cause you can certainly listen to my podcast or listen to, there's tons of old time radio shows out there that a person can listen to just as easy as anything else. Um, certainly if you're not listening to those, there's modern drama things that are done like old time radio that they're doing. And then uh, besides that, you have just a gazillion talk shows out there where people are just talking about whatever subject interests them and their group and kind of like we do about old time radio and Star Trek and everything. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting time to be alive and to, to be able to experience all of this um, that you can. It's uh, and that all these shows are, are saved in such, and some of them in such high quality like this one, that it's, it's a pretty cool time. So Anyway, I think we'll leave you at that. Um, anything else you want to point out, Bob? Or are we good? Good. You should listen to the episode. Hopefully, they'll have Kellogg's in next week. Yeah, exactly. Weedings are some of my favorites. <laughs> Something <laughs> for sure. Um, no, but I'll have to have us. Uh, I think I'll. Uh, hopefully, soon I'll have Bob and I and Jim, perhaps whatever, do episodes of suspense and some of these other series that I think would be kind of fun to, to get Bob. In. I think like, we did a few suspense before, but I'm not sure. We should do, uh, I think we, yeah, we have for yeah. sure. We yeah. should do like a whole, just a clip together, a whole bunch of old commercials because the commercials are just. Well, I've had people ask for that. I've had people ask that they want to get hear all these commercials and things. Um, we'll try to leave uh, yeah, all the sex, sexist ones out. What what I, I think is interesting um, that I love is, uh, what's the series? It's uh, Wild Bill Hickok with Andy Devine on there. And they were always sponsored by Kellogg's Corn Pops. And so to hear the jingles for Kellogg's Corn Pops and all those things, and then thinking that at some point they changed the name from Corn Pops to Sugar Pops because kids and adults were looking, oh, my kids like stuff with sugar in it, so Sugar Pops is a great you know, name or whatever. And then, what, 20 years after that, 
they decide, oh, sugar's a bad thing. So it goes back to corn pops. And now they're called corn pops again. But uh, really, they're the same thing that sugar pops were. So you know, it is what it is. Uh, anyway, enjoy this episode. And we'll see you folks next time. This is Walter O'Keefe inviting you to listen in on the Nightline. Tonight, live the incredible life of ages yet to come in a time that might be a million years from now on X-1. Now, an incredible story of the world beyond. Countdown for blastoff. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents... X minus one... Tonight, The Haunted Corpse by Frederick Pohl. But first, hear this. Whenever you want things to be just right, be it here or there or day or night. You make it Pabst, cause Pabst makes it perfect. Yes, Pabst makes it perfect. Just as we always have ever since 1844. So next time, you make it Pabst because Pabst makes it perfect. America's Blue Ribbon Beer from the Pabst Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, Pabst makes it perfect. Now, X-1 and the story of The Haunted Corpse. We moved in at 0800. That's pretty good time, considering that Van Pelt turned up at the Pentagon on Thursday, and it took him till Monday morning to go in and see the general. By Tuesday, I had a task force of 135 men bivouacked around the old man's place. Corporal McCabe, my orderly, reported mission accomplished. Well, Colonel, there's a whole company dug in down the road right yonder, and Wins is all set up right here like you done ordered. We got a covey of them recon cars from the cavalry, roaming like a parcel of June bugs squattering a handkerchief. McCabe isn't very bright, but he's loyal. Well, about nine in the morning, the old man woke up. I suppose the firing at the auxiliary pistol range I set up got him out of bed. Get out of here. Go on, you. Get those trucks off my lawn. Get out. Dr. Horn. Oh, what is this? The Boy Scout Jamboree? Are you the scoutmaster? Dr. Horn, I am Lieutenant Colonel Windermere, sir. My orders are to establish a security cordon about your laboratory. A What? Here you are, sir, my copy of your orders. What the devil is this nonsense? You will see they are signed by General Follinsby himself. I know, I know, that sniveling rat Van Pelt. 
He went to the army, is that it? That mountainous, ungrateful tub of rancid lard went crawling into Washington and ratted to some tin soldier. Sir, General Follinsby is not a tin soldier. Is that it? Did Dick Van Pelt come to you with some cock and bull story? The chicken-livered, worm-eaten, misbegotten offspring Dr. of Dr. Horn, the general asked me to give you his personal assurance that we will not interfere in your work here. But I'm sure you understand the importance of security. Now, you listen to me. The Horn effect is my personal property, not the government's or the army's. What is this, creeping socialism? Sir, security. My orderly isn't cleared. Oh, that don't make no never mind, Colonel. I don't rightly grasp what he's saying no how. McCabe, report to my tent. Oh, just when it's getting interesting. <clears throat> now, Dr. Horn. I want you to know that I'm here to help you. If there's anything you want, just ask me. If you want to go into town, that can be arranged. Of course, you'd better give us 24-hour notice so we can clear the streets and check Young out all man, the... Young man? Yes, sir. You may go to the devil. Of course, he went in to call the Pentagon and protest. He had a lot of spirit for an old civilian of about 75. Hello? Hello? This is Dr. Eric Horn. I want to protest an invasion of my privacy. Of course, Dr. Horn, I understand. There's an officious young cub scout out at my place making a pet of himself. A lieutenant something. Lieutenant Colonel Windermere. But I called Washington. Yes, sir, but our intercept monitor put the call through to me. We'll take care of any outside calls you wish to make. Of all the insufferable... Uh. <laughs> At about 0600 the next morning, I ran a surprise full-scale inspection and simulated infiltration. Hey, look out! You trigger-happy idiots! It's me, McCabe! And you simulated! You hear? Fortunately, he was only grazed. The wire-stringing detail worked all night, and we had surrounded the old Victorian house with triple-strand electrified barbed wire with guard towers every 50 feet. At 1400, I paid a call on Dr. Horn. What are you doing here? Good afternoon, Dr. Horn. I came in for your report. My what? Your daily progress report. It's in my orders. Paragraph 8. Just carry on, sir. Corporal McCabe will take your words down. Oh, his uh, clearance came through last night. You have a method for electronically killing a man without touching him. Killing? Lieutenant? Will you tell me what in the sweet name of heaven did I say that gave you that particularly stupid notion? But I understand. You think this is a weapon. Of course, sir. Of course. My machine renders humans into corpses. A chipped flint will also do that. Look, you simpleton, don't you realize what my machine can do? It can separate that something which, added to a body, produces a man. A subtracted leaves a corpse. I can separate the two things without destroying them. You understand that I can take the ghost of life out of a body and keep it unharmed. Try to understand that, you pig-headed, mule-eared, rabbit-faced... You're listening to The Haunted Corpse, tonight's attraction on X-1. You know, the property value of your home depends on the well-being of your community and your neighborhood. On things like good lighting for your streets, accessible parks and playgrounds, and cleaning up slums. And what others are doing, you can do. In Michigan, a city group launched Operation Bootstrap to rehabilitate houses, clean up slums, and interest everyone in better living standards. In Pennsylvania... 
A local real estate board surveyed every property in town, got 500 improved, and 50 hopeless slums torn down. So help clean up slums, and keep up your own home as well. To help keep your community sound, get into action. Action is a national organization designed to help you protect the well-being of your community. For free information on your particular problem, write to Action, Box 20, Radio City Station, New York 20, New York. Now back to X-1 and The Haunted Corpse. I terminated the interview and went back to headquarters to prepare my situation analysis. Van Pelt, all 300 pounds of him, was waiting for me. He was eating a can of sea ration with a knife. He's a perfectly sane colonel, but he's dangerous. Very dangerous. You've got to protect me absolutely. Van Pelt, I want the straight dope on horn. Now, what is this ghost business? Oh, that, that. <laughs> That's just his way of putting it. You see, uh, who uh, care to join me in a can of beans? No, thank you. Well, there's a difference between a living man and a dead man, and that difference is what Dr. Horn uh, whimsically calls a ghost. Uh, call it life, plus intelligence, plus soul, if there is such a word in your lexicon, Colonel. You mean his machine uh, conjures up ghosts? No, 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 Colonel. Uh, Dr. Horn is an impossible old vulture, but he's not a faker. Horn can drain the essence of life from a body and store it, or if he wishes, he can replace them in another body. Uh, would you mind handing me the can opener? Uh, this looks interesting. Macaroni and beef. Supper ration. Well, so he had a machine that could take a mind out of one body and put it in another body. Well, why didn't he say so straightforwardly instead of beating around the bush like a civilian? Of course, he was a civilian, which might explain it. Next morning, I went to the laboratory with Corporal McCabe and insisted on a demonstration. All right, this way, gentlemen. Please, Corporal McCabe is an enlisted man. At this pole, we have a Cocker Spaniel. And over here, a Rhode Island Red. That's a right perky-looking chicken, Doc. If you will kindly stay clear of the terminal areas, I will activate the field. What's happening? field is vibrating at the cycloid rate set on the crystals. All right, it's ready for discharge. Now. Well? Watch. Here, Rover. Here, boy. Here, boy. Hey, that ain't no hound. That's the chicken. I know. Here, Rover. Well, well, I'll be pickled for an eel. That little old chicken is trying to wag its tail. And over here... Here, chick, 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 here, chick, 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 chick. Well, doggone, I never did see the like of that. A flop-eared, honest-to-peat dog trying to pet corn. I had a private conference with the old man later. Under Section K of my security regulations, I moved on my own initiative. Well, Lieutenant? Lieutenant Colonel, there is a... Slight difference. Well? Now, can you do this with people? Indeed, I can. But the silly laws covering these things, they won't let me. I've tried. Imagine a simple exchange. A man dying of terminal cancer and a feeble-minded youth. 
Put the sound mind into the sound body and let the decayed parts rot together. But will they let me? No, no. You've never tried the machine on people? No. But you're here, a military man, hmm? Very brave. All I need is a volunteer. That coward Van Pelt refused. That's why he sneaked off to you. But a brave soldier like you... Negative, sir. Negative. But lieutenant... Negative, sir. And besides, I am not a lieutenant. I'm a field-grade officer. I don't believe you appreciate the investment the service has made in my training. However, you need volunteers. The Army has a way of obtaining volunteers, sir. We'll see what we can do. Actually, it was easy. First, there was a boy from Maine awaiting court-martial on an AWOL charge. Second, he volunteered when I pointed out he could get up to a year at hard labor. And then McCabe. Oh, no, Colonel, sir. I ain't a volunteer in time. <laughs> well, McCabe, I have been asked to recommend a non-com for infantry assignment in the Aleutian Islands. Infantry? Yes. Advance, rifle, platoon, scout. The, 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 the Aleutians? Mm, in the winter. Uh, Colonel, sir... I beg to report you have found a volunteer, namely I. Dr. Horn had arranged the terminus of the machine poles to be tapped into metal helmets which were adjusted on the heads of the two men. This here reminds me of playing left tackle. Ready, Lieutenant? I... Uh, ready. But, Colonel, sir, maybe, maybe I better not try this. Well, I mean, I cancel my GI insurance. The illusions? Yes, sir, Colonel, sir. Well, goodbye. The test was an anticlimax. It worked. McCabe, that is, McCabe's body, reported himself as Private Ethan Coffin in a broad, down-east dialect. I had horns switch them back, and then I went back to my tent and put through a call. Crash priority. General Fallen's be on a scrambler circuit, Colonel, sir. All right. Now leave, McCabe. This is top secret. They don't never tell me nothing. I swear it's worse than grade school. Now, General... Colonel! Uh, well, Van Pelt, what's the idea of barging in? I'm making a top secret You call. didn't let Horn make his test. You didn't... Now, out, Van Pelt, out. But that's all he's been waiting for. You've got to listen McCabe. to McCabe! Colonel... Escort Mr. Van Pelt out. <sighs> I was floating on a cloud of pure joy. I could see my eagles within my grasp. Maybe even a full star. I told the general my plan. Uh, are you still there, sir? Oh, well. You see, we use the device for intelligence. Suppose someone way up top in their government should visit the United States. We switch him. Put our own man in his body, you see? Or in wartime, take a few prisoners and put our men inside their bodies. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I can be available for a staff meeting at 0900. Yes, sir. <laughs> General Windermere. Lieutenant General Windermere. Oh, why not? General of the Army's... Colonel, sir. Oh, what is it, McCabe? 
that Mr. Van Pale. Listen, McCabe, next time I'm on the top-secret scrambler to the Pentagon, don't you dare let anybody into the command tent. Uh, no, Sir Colonel, sir, but this here Van Pale... I don't want to hear about him. I'll let him cool his heels a while. Well, he ain't. That is, he left. Good. But, but he carried on something frightful. He kept saying Mr. Horn wanted to live forever. What? Screw he ain't it. That's what he said. He said all Horn was waiting on was to make a test on human beings. He said that he's going to grab the first man he runs into and steal his body. I think he is drunk or something. McCabe, call a condition red alert. Well, what for? Don't argue. Oh, never mind. You go up to the laboratory and take Dr. Horn into custody. I'll give the alert. Now move. I could see it all immediately. I grabbed my sidearm and buckled it on. And I threw the switch that signaled a red alert throughout the unit. Just what you'd expect from a selfish civilian like Horn. He'd take an invention like this and use it to steal other people's bodies to prolong his own nearly senile existence in a younger body. And if that happened, there goes my general star. Because he'd surely smash the machine and we'd never be able to trace him or switch him back and we wouldn't know which body he stole. I was held up at the inner perimeter for five precious minutes while some idiot insisted on a password. I just happened to forget it, although I had issued it in the morning. Luckily, while I was swearing at him, I accidentally hit the right combination and let me through. Van Pelt had gone into the laboratory. I knew that. Probably to try to stop the old man, but the effect would be to supply him with a body. He'd have to swap immediately. He couldn't take the chance of a heart attack. I ran into the laboratory, my sidearm drawn. Horn! Dr. Horn! Uh tripped over a human body, still warm. Dr. Horn, his cast-off cocoon, abandoned. And then in front of me, I saw him. Then Pelt... Too late! Too late! Now, wait, listen. Oh, McCabe, what happened to you? He slugged you, did he? Too late! Now, wait, don't smash the machine. Van Pelt, I know it's really you, Dr. Horn, and Van Pelt's body. Now, put down that gun. I'll smash it! Smash it! Stop! Don't wreck the machine! Listen, Dr. Horn, I'll help you. I'll see you get a good, healthy body as long as you want it. Dr. Horn, think of the safety of our country. Think of security. No, 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 I'm not Dr. Horn. Who shot that? McCabe, put that pistol away, you fool! Oh, Horn. Dr. Horn, speak to me. Now, I know it's you and Van Pelt's body. Now, now speak to me, Dr. Horn. Oh, he's dead. McCabe, you simple-minded... Why did you kill him? Oh, everything is gone. My general star, everything. All right, McCabe, report to your quarters. You'll get a court-martial that'll make your hair curl. I sat there in the wrecked laboratory and I almost cried. Everything gone, the machine, the brilliant mind that knew its secret. I looked at the corpse of Van Pelt that held the mind of Dr. Horn before that idiot McCabe had put a bullet through the brain and killed both. I could almost feel cheerful as I thought of the court-martial to come. It was at that moment that Sergeant O'Hare came in to tell me that McCabe wanted me on the telephone. I picked it up and waited to hear the miserable rat crawl and plead for mercy. Colonel, sir, this here is Corporal McCabe. McCabe, there is no use pleading for mercy. I trust you have managed to find your quarters. You're under arrest. That's what I thought. I don't think I'll stay for the court-martial, Lieutenant. They bore me. 
McCabe, but, 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 but the voice. Dr. Horn! Precisely, Lieutenant, precisely. <laughs> Goodbye now. If a body meet a body, come and through the... <laughs> Goodbye, Lieutenant. Thanks for the body. Fred Collins again, and I'll have another word about X-1 in a moment. Have you ever asked yourself what this country's most important natural resource is? I'm Dorothy Olson, NBC Bandstand singing school teacher. Our most important resource? Well, you might consider it our mineral deposits, or our tremendous sources of water power, or maybe our just our great forests. Well, these are all very important natural resources, but there's one resource that's more important than all these combined. Our children don't neglect them or their educational facilities. Poor schools breed inadequate citizens for tomorrow. And another thing, keep your youngsters in tip-top shape so that they won't miss important school days. Dress them against the weather so they won't catch needless winter colds. Check their wardrobe as they go back to school this fall to be sure that they have plenty of the right kind of clothing. Remember, our children are this nation's most important natural resource. It's your job to protect their future as they go back to school this fall. You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was an NBC Radio Network production. There's excitement in the air at night. And Nightline brings it to you. Hear Nightline with Walter O'Keefe next on most of these NBC stations. Mm-hmm.